0: All right, guys. The Shady Rays Memorial Day sale is live. Go to ShadyRays.com and get 35% off all sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Shady Rays always has your back. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements, meaning that if you lose or break your pair of sunglasses, even on day one, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair of sunglasses, no questions asked. You can wear your Shady Rays with confidence because Shady Rays has your back long after your purchase. Take advantage of the Shady Rays Memorial Day Sale. Go to ShadyRays.com and get 35% off all sunglasses. Shady rays look good and feel good. And away we go. Episode 580 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, May 25th. 2023 it is the 24th anniversary of Dan Snyder's purchase of the Redskins being finalized. Yes. Happy anniversary <laughs> to the Danny. Uh it was on May 25th, 1999 that NFL owners voted unanimously to approve the sale of the Washington Redskins to a group led by a 34-year-old named Daniel M. Snyder. Uh, The approval came more than two years after longtime Skins owner Jack Ken Cook had died at the age of 84. Uh, The approval ended a nine-month sale process that began with a blind auction uh, Dan paid $800 million for the team and what was then known as Jack Kent Cooke Stadium. Uh, he, of course, is in the process of selling that team in what is now known as FedEx Field for $6.05 billion. We call that significant ROI, <laughs> return on investment. Hello and welcome to this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. What was going on in your life in May 1999. Uh, I was finishing my sophomore year at the University of Maryland. Uh, College, those were good times, weren't they? Well, the Danny's ownership of our football team has not provided many good times, but uh, the times, they are a changing with new ownership in the form of the Josh Harris group coming in. Uh, The Wizards, meantime, have a new head of basketball operations. Breaking news on Wednesday evening, multiple reports that Los Angeles Clippers general manager Michael Winger is being hired as the president of Monumental Basketball, which of course oversees the Wizards. Uh, Michael Winger, who looks just like (laughs) former Commanders quarterback Carson Wentz. I can't be the only person who thinks this, right? Michael Winger looks exactly like Commander Carson. Maybe they're the same guy. Uh, But I have some thoughts on the Wizards hiring Winger. Uh, I'll share those thoughts coming up. On the show. Uh, But next segment, my thoughts on what's going on with Commander's Edge defender Chase Young. Uh, He, fellow Edge defender Montez Sweat, and left tackle Charles Leno Jr., Uh, they have not attended either of the team's first. Two OTA practices this offseason. Head coach Ron Rivera on Wednesday morning did a 15 plus minute pre practice press conference. He talked a good bit about these guys not being in attendance, including addressing what is going on with Chase Young. Uh, I will play for you all of the key things that uh, Don Ron said. As remember, this is the only podcast or show that provides you with all of the key audio from commanders' press conferences. Uh, And I will address what is a Third consecutive year in which we have Chase Young not being at at least some of the team's OTA practices. If you are fatigued with this as an annual topic, I am too, but this keeps coming up and it is this offseason that you certainly could make the case that uh, this topic is most significant given where we are in the career of Chase Young. So we'll get into all of that next segment. And then after that, I'll take you through the rest of the notable items from Ron Rivera on Wednesday morning. He revealed a significant injury for the commanders. Uh, He talked about quarterback Sam Howell. Uh, Ron talked about the team's new assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator, Eric Biennemi. Ron talked about the commander's offensive line. A lot to get to. A lot of commander's conversation on the show. Also on the show, I will discuss and revel in wins for the Nationals and Orioles on Wednesday night. The Nats had a very solid workmanlike 5-3 win over the San Diego Padres at Nationals Park. The O's had yet another wild win in a season that has been filled with wild games for the O's. A 9-6 win, at the New York Yankees, as the O's overcame a 5-1 seventh inning deficit with an eight-run seventh. The start of the game was delayed by an hour and 36 minutes by rain, but if you are an O's fan who stayed up to watch the game to its completion, or at least through the seventh inning, uh, you were not disappointed. We on Wednesday night in the Bronx had what is called Orioles magic. I said, Orioles
1: magic. Every game does a different start on WFBR. <laughs> Orioles magic,
2: here is it happen. Orioles magic, Here is it happen. O-R-I-O-L-E-S. Magic, magic,
0: magic, magic. <laughs> exactly, thank you very much. Orioles magic. Uh- You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I have received a lot of feedback on the name issue. Uh, Should the commander's incoming ownership, the Josh Harris group, change the name of the team? Should there be yet another rebrand? Uh, Email from Will Bushman writes, Will, I'm a huge fan of the podcast and have listened to every episode. Thanks for all that you do. Well, thank you, Will. Continues, Will, you recently discussed some rebranding ideas. Should the new owners decide to go that route? Like many longtime Skins fans, I do not care for the commander's name and would like to see the new owners ditch that name. Along that line, I not too long ago learned that the Skins once had a farm team in Roanoke, Virginia, named the Buckskins. By the way, I like your idea of the XFL becoming a minor league for the NFL. In any event, since the chance of Redskins coming back is nil, what about Buckskins? It would be a nod to the past. The team could have the old colors and fight song while eliminating the Native American iconography. And you would have not one, but two one-syllable nickname options. Skins, like the old name, or Bucks. What say you? At least this would be better (laughs) than Commanders. Uh, Thank you for the email, Will. Not a bad idea. The Roanoke Buckskins. They played in what was called... The Atlantic Coast Football League, the ACFL, uh, the team began as the Virginia Sailors, used that name, from 1966 through 1968, and then became the Roanoke Buckskins from 1969 through 1971. The team only existed from 66 through 71. Uh, the ACFL operated from 1962 through 1971 and then came back for one more season, 1973. Hmm. The Washington Buckskins. I tell you, calling the team that used to be the Skins, the Skins again, uh, would be good. That would be very well received. Uh, Email from Mike P writes, Mike, I've seen a lot of people who think that the rebrand should be high on the list for new ownership. I understand that Commanders as a brand has not caught on like the team at Hope, but I was always taught to fix the engine before you paint the car. What matters the most is figuring out how to become a consistent winning organization on and off the field. The team can call itself whatever it wants, but nothing will change if the team continues down this path of mediocrity. Winning ultimately matters. If the Commanders last season had had 10 regular season wins and a playoff win, a potential rebrand would not be talked about nearly as much. New ownership doesn't mean winning. There's a lot that has to happen from top to bottom in order for the Commanders to become a consistent winning organization. Fix the stadium, fix the facilities, but fix the engine before you paint the car. Let's get back to winning. Uh, Thank you for the email, Mike. Uh, Yes, winning games, of course, should be the Josh Harris group's number one goal. Winning, of course, makes everything better. I would say this, though. You can both get better at winning and rebrand. Like Addressing one issue doesn't preclude addressing the other issue. The Harris group, if it is what we think and hope that it is, uh, can both improve the football operations and rebrand the team if, in fact, rebranding the team is what the Harris group decides to do. You don't have to choose between winning and rebranding. You can do both. Uh, A capable ownership uh, can do both at once. Email from Kim writes, Kim, I'm getting pretty excited about new ownership, mostly from the many guests who have come on your show. I wonder if the new ownership might, instead of changing the brand, tweak the brand, roll it out in some other fashion. What about a full-fledged marketing campaign that embraces the name and rolls it out with the band, former players, whatever? I think that such a campaign is doable with a quality marketing effort. Uh, Thank you for the email, Kim. You know, I think that what Kim suggests is something that the Josh Harris Group might consider essentially a redo of the rebrand. The unsolvable problem with this whole name issue is that there isn't some obvious other name that the team should go to. I don't personally hate commanders, but I know that so many of you do, and I understand where you're coming from, trust me. But I wonder if the Josh Harris Group might look at the situation and say, there is no obvious other name to which we should switch. Uh, Commanders isn't great, but it is workable. What if the rollout of Commanders was redone the right way? What if we essentially had a do-over of the launch of Commanders, a do-over of 2.2.22? 2.2.22 was an embarrassment. If it was done in a better way, a high production value, high energy, intelligent way. Could it be, might it be, that the name commanders would become more acceptable? Uh, Heck, we could even have Jason Wright give us an updated version of There It Is. There it is. Yeah, there it is. Hey, as much of a debacle as 2.2.22 was, uh, at least we did get that all-time classic, the Today Show on NBC. Yet. Anchor and Washington fan Craig Melvin, along with Washington interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen, team president Jason Wright, and senior advisor to Jason, Doug Williams. All four guys were seated in chairs on the field in an empty (laughs) FedEx field on a freezing cold day in the nation's capital. Uh, Jason looked like he was about to enter into a hypothermic state. Uh, Craig asked Jason a question, and then Jason gave Doug the honors. Here you go
3: let's not like make folks wait let's not drag it out jason what's the uh what is the new team name doug what is it we are the commanders (laughs) we are the commanders the commanders the washington commanders right Uh, oh wow you don't waste any time there there
4: it is
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes and there it is well unfortunately something else that is is what's happening with Home and auto insurance these days. Uh, the home and auto insurance markets are messes right now. Uh, we are routinely seeing 20% increases in home and auto insurance, even when the account is clean, meaning no accidents or violations on the auto insurance and no claims on the property insurance. Uh, you right now have every reason to shop your home and auto insurance, and that's why you should go with BMC Insurance. BMC Insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com and you'll be put in touch with the owner and president, Matt Brooks, a loyal listener of this podcast. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. BMC Insurance, it offers home insurance, auto insurance, and also small business insurance in Maryland, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and North Carolina. BMC Insurance is an independent insurance agency, meaning that it has many as in dozens of insurance carriers it works with to make sure that clients are always paying competitive rates. Uh, What's especially great about BMC Insurance is that it has relationships with its clients. Uh, BMC Insurance is a trusted advisor for your insurance needs. BMC Insurance continues to work with clients after sales. Uh, It has team members who actually shop clients' insurance every year when they renew, and BMC Insurance does this proactively so that you don't have to. BMC Insurance will save you time and money, and perhaps most telling, BMC Insurance's client retention rates historically are much higher than industry averages. When people get BMC Insurance, they stay with BMC Insurance. Don't get gouged on your home and auto insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to InsuranceBMC.com. Talk to my guy Matt Brooks and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. And BMC Insurance does offer small business insurance, so if you're looking for general liability, workers comp, or commercial auto insurance, BMC Insurance can help. Visit InsuranceBMC.com. That's InsuranceBMC.com, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. So uh, in the opening segment of Wednesday's show, episode 579, uh, said that I wanted to wait on doing a full-fledged segment on this Chase Young situation until head coach Ron Rivera spoke to reporters on Wednesday and until we had more of a true understanding of the nature of Chase missing Tuesday's OTA practice, uh, which was the commander's first OTA practice of this offseason. It would have been ridiculous to sound off on this and then say Chase shows up. Wednesday's OTA practice, and we find out that he had a good reason for not attending Tuesday's OTA practice. But now Ron has spoken, and uh, we do now have a clearer picture of what's going on here. It was on Tuesday morning that we had multiple reports of three no-shows at Tuesday's OTA practice. Left tackle Charles Leno Jr., edge defender Montez Sweat, and edge defender Chase Young. Uh, All three of those guys were absent for Wednesday's practice as well. Tuesday's practice was not open to the media. Wednesday's practice was open to the media. Uh, Each of these three guys appears to be absent by choice and not due to, say, a family situation or something like that. Uh, Ron Rivera on Wednesday morning did a press conference before the team's OTA practice. This was Ron on Charles Leno Jr., Montez Sweat, and Chase Young not being in attendance for these first two days of OTA practices.
3: Well, you always would like to have all your guys here, but again, it's volunteering. We understand that um and the nice thing though is um you know i've been in contact with them they're working out they're getting you know they're progressing getting themselves ready to go and you know when it all comes down to it we'll see them on when, when they have to be here
0: yes we will see then uh hopefully although that's not for another few weeks now personally do i view these ota practices as uh life or death no i do not Uh, Are there a million examples of NFL players who miss OTA practices and then end up having great seasons? Absolutely. But here's what I also know. A, Washington has not had a winning regular season since the 2016 regular season. B, Ron Rivera has made it clear that he wants players attending OTAs. Take you back to about a year and a half ago. Ron Rivera, at a day after the game Zoom press conference on January 3rd, 2022, said, quote, One thing that we have to understand is just how important the offseason is for us. Hopefully, the COVID situation will be in control. Hopefully, it won't be a battle to get guys to be here, end quote. I want to address this thing about OTA practices being, wait for it, voluntary, because you hear that all of the time. Well these OTA practices are voluntary. So why should people go to things that those people don't have to go to? Well, in addressing the voluntary nature of OTA practices, uh, let's first establish a few things. So OTA stands for Organized Team Activity. OTAs are part of the third phase of the NFL's three-phase off-season program. Phase one consists of the first two weeks of the program with activities limited to meeting, strength and conditioning, and physical rehabilitation only. Phase two consists of the next three weeks of the program, on-field workouts uh, that may include individual or group instruction and drills, no live contact or team offense Versus team defense drills are permitted. And then phase three consists of the next four weeks of the program. And uh, teams during this phase three may conduct a total of 10 days of organized team practice activity or OTAs. uh, No live contact is permitted, but seven-on-seven, nine-on-seven, and 11-on-11 11 11 drills are permitted. And yes, player participation in an NFL team's offseason program is, wait for it, voluntary, uh, with the exception of the mandatory minicamp. But the mandatory minicamp does not take place until June. The Commander's 2023 offseason practice schedule is as follows. Uh, the first batch of OT practices this offseason season is this week, uh, Tuesday through Thursday, May 23rd through the 25th. The second batch is next Tuesday through Thursday, May 30th through June 1st. The third batch consists of just one practice, which is on June 13th. Uh, Why just that one practice? Uh, Well, as you may recall, we last June 17th learned that the NFL had fined Ron Rivera $100,000 and had stripped the team of two OTA practices for the 2023 offseason. Uh, this due to there having been excessive contact during the team's 2022 offseason program. So the commanders this offseason are down to OTA practices. The team's mandatory minicamp is June 6th through June 8th. So interestingly, you have the first two batches of OTA practices, then the mandatory minicamp and then actually the third batch of OTA practices, and uh, that batch consists of just one practice. But in this case, the mandatory minicamp is coming before the team's OTA practices are done. But here's the bottom line. The Commanders this offseason only have a total of seven OTA practices. That's it. Seven. Asking Commanders players to attend all seven of these, yes, voluntary OTA practices is not some big ask. Uh, As you may know, the Commanders last season did not make the playoffs. A player who was on the Commanders last season and is said to be on the team this coming season has had an offseason since January 9th, uh, which was the day after the team's season ending at 26-6 route of the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field. We're now nearly five months into the Commanders offseason. Asking a commander's player to show up for these seven OTA practices is not asking that player for a kidney, okay? Now, can a player choose to not attend these OTA practices? Yes, again, they are, wait for it, voluntary. But there's a difference between can and should. We all can do many things, but whether we should do all of those things that we can do is a different story. And so when it comes to Charles Leno Jr., Montez Sweat, and Chase Young not attending at least the first two of the commander's mere seven OTA practices this offseason, look, you'd have to ask these guys why they're not attending. I mean, these guys are not bad guys, okay? Maybe these people have good, sensible reasons for not attending, but, you know, at least with Charles Leno and Montez Sweat, there is a benefit of the doubt that each guy, to me anyway, has earned. Uh, Leno has been the team starting left tackle for each of the last two seasons. He, over the last eight seasons, 2015 through 2022, has played in 130 of a possible 130 regular season games. Uh, He was with the Chicago Bears from 2014 through 2020. He has been with Washington since signing with the team as an unrestricted free agent in May 2021. He's not a great left tackle, but he has been a very durable left tackle. He's entering his age 32 season. I don't love him missing these OTA practices, but I can live with that. Uh, And consider this exchange on Wednesday morning between Commander's Insider J.P. Finley of NBC Sports Washington and Ron Rivera.
1: With Charles Leno, you talked to Chase and Montez, kind of know the defense and everything. But with new coordinator, new quarterback, is that a different scenario with the tackle?
3: No, because um, Charles has been in the system, and that's a, I think that's probably part of why he's not here. He knows the system; he was in it in uh, in Chicago, and so uh, a lot of stuff that that they did the first the first week that he was here was 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 pretty much the stuff that uh, he's been involved with.
0: All right. So again, I don't love Charles Leno Jr. missing these OTA practices, but I can live with that. And it sounds like Ron Rivera can too. Uh, Montez Sweat. He's coming off a terrific 2022 season in which he played in all 17 of the Commanders' regular season games. Montez for the 2022 regular season ranked tied for fourth in the NFL in quarterback hits with 28 and ranked tied for 13th in the NFL in tackles for loss with 14 And he, for the 2022 regular season, had an overall grade for pro football focus of 86.4. That is terrific. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. I don't love Montez missing these OTA practices, but I can live with that. And I get that him missing these OTA practices may be in part about him this offseason being a candidate for a contract extension, given that he's entering the fifth and final season of his rookie contract. Now, Montez is entering that fifth and final season of his rookie contract because the commanders on April 27th, 2022 announced that they had exercised the fifth year option in the rookie contract of Montez Sweat, unlike what the team decided to do with Chase Young. And now we get to the heart of the matter. So we, this past April 26th, uh, had multiple reports that the commanders would not be exercising the fifth-year option in the rookie contract of Chase Young. And sure enough, they did not exercise that Chase Young fifth-year option. We all know the deal with Chase Young. Uh, We don't need to do a history lesson, okay? Uh, But the reality is this. The guy over his three NFL seasons has had one good season. There is no debating that. There is no disputing that. He's one for three in terms of three NFL seasons. Only one has been good. And look, That season was a tremendous season, okay, but it also was his rookie season, his most distant season. Chase Young won Associated Press Defensive Rookie of the Year for the 2020 season, but the last two seasons for Chase have not gone well. He initially, in the 2021 season, was shockingly underwhelming, and then he suffered what turned out to be a devastatingly torn right knee in that uh, 29-19 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field on November 14th, 2021. Chase, in the 2022 regular season, played in just three of the Commander's 17 games. He was on the reserve-slash-physically unable-to-perform list from August 23rd to November 21st due to the right knee, and he then was inactive for three consecutive games before playing in each of the Commander's final three games. If you are Chase Young, And you have had two consecutive disappointing seasons due to not just injury, but also ineffectiveness. And you just got humbled and not having your fifth year option picked up, despite having been taken with the number two overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft. How are you not doing all that you can to be great This coming season and wouldn't doing all that you can to be great this coming season include showing up to again, the mere seven commanders OTA practices this offseason. Now, it is worth noting that Chase Young reportedly was in attendance for the very first day of the commanders offseason program, April seventeenth. But you know, that was more than a month ago now. And maybe Chase Young does have a good sensible reason for not attending commanders OTA practices this offseason. But, you know, knowing the history here, I would not hold your breath on that. And here is that history. Chase Young in the 2021 offseason did not attend any of Washington's OTA practices. Chase in the 2022 offseason did not attend the commander's first week of OTA practices, but was in attendance during the second and third weeks. You know, in that 2021 offseason, we could debate how big of a deal Chase Young not attending the OTA practices was because he did have that great 2020 rookie season. But that benefit of the doubt now is gone. Uh, This was Ron Rivera on Wednesday morning on if he has had conversations with Chase Young since the team decided to not exercise the fifth year option in his rookie contract.
3: Um, well, just you know, from what I've gotten in our our, our text messages and conversations, just hey, he, he gets it, he understands, and he's going to go out and I really believe he's going to come in and, and give us everything he's got. I, I, I you know I, I don't disagree with Jack's message that um, you know when he he, he uh, I believe Julie was uh, Julie Donaldson was interviewing him and he he came out and said you know this this is about uh, production based business and you have to produce and 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 if you want to look at a great example, that's what Duran did. You know our, our intent is to keep our guys guys that. produce, for us, we want them to be around. Want them to be part of what we're doing, and um, you know, so that's pretty much just been the message. And, and I believe he's adapted to it very nicely, and he's working hard. Um, you know, I'll be excited to see him when he has to be here. So again, he's um, you know he's been he's been on top of things.
0: You know, it stood out to me that Ron Rivera on Wednesday morning did not come off as angry at Chase Young or antagonistic toward Chase. Maybe there is an understanding between Ron and Chase. Uh, Of course, it's also possible that Ron is furious with Chase and is just hiding that well. Uh, It's also possible that Ron has come to accept that this is who Chase is and that Ron is more or less done with Chase, uh, who, remember, can be an unrestricted free agent next offseason. I mean, we could be witnessing the final months here of Chase Young with Washington. Uh, I mentioned Chase's history with these OTA practices. Ron Rivera on Wednesday morning on if he's concerned about Chase Young and Montez Sweat missing OTA practices, as Ron was in the 2021 offseason when Chase and Montez missed OTA practices, and Washington ended up having a very disappointing defense in the 2021 regular season.
3: I'm not as concerned just because these guys are a little bit older, a little bit more veteran um and you know when when they get here they'll they'll just you know jump right in um you know, they did come for the first week, they did get a lot of the installation stuff originally that we're gonna do um you know defensively, I know this much um you know we'll go through this installation process three times during this period you know from when we start phase one all the way till we get to the mini camp and then we'll go through it again when we get to training camp so a lot of it will be redundant at some point um but to get it all you know would, would would have been nice but again this is voluntary so where we are is you know is pretty much working with the guys that are here
0: Yeah. And by the way, the guys who are attending commander's OTA practices include another key commander's defensive player entering a contract season, safety Cameron Curl. Uh, He has been in attendance. Good for him. Uh, Now, Cam on Wednesday participated in individual drills, but did not participate in team drills. Uh, That may well have been due to his contract situation, but at least he was in attendance. Uh, Cam on Wednesday afternoon, did a post-practice press conference. Uh, here were some of his exchanges with reporters.
5: Is the uh, sitting out team part related to kind of your contract situation?
4: Uh, no, nah, you know, I'm just coming to work, being with the guys. You know, I like, I like being around my team. That's why I'm here.
5: How, how, how much you tell you about this secondary and
1: how good it can be now with Forbes and adding already pieces to Defoe you and...
5: So many. How excited are
4: you for this stuff? I mean, I'm really excited. You know, we got like the young guys who came in. They real smart. You know, they catching on already. You know, and then Defoe. You know, the strides he made last year, and then Percy. Percy got a pick today. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like it's, it's a real upside to our secondary. room. Cam, where are you at with
0: your new contract? I mean, are, are you hopeful something may get done in training before training camp? or where, Where's it at?
4: Um, so I'm just coming to work. You know, be with the team every day.
0: Have you reached out to any guys like John Allen who have gone
4: through contract stuff before for some advice or some uh, their experiences? I mean, they'd be in the locker room. I'd be talking to them, you know what I'm saying? They're my teammates, so I like talking to them. Ron
5: was saying about how kind of all the contract stuff right now is on hold because of the ownership sale. Does that make it easier to just focus on the field, or does that kind of suck? Like, what does that?
4: I mean, when I'm here, I'm always focused on the field, you know what I'm saying? I play football, so that's what I'm focused on
5: all right
0: there you go cam curl just coming to work (laughs) he said that about ten thousand times in that cut uh that i just played for you uh also ron rivera on wednesday morning got asked about whether contract extensions for montez sweat and cam curl could even be done right now given the sale of the team uh here was ron's answer
3: well for the most part everything's on hold you know we um We'll let the process, uh, as far as the ownership piece, uh, continue to to unfold and develop. Uh, I know about as much as you guys do. And so uh, as that process goes, we'll continue to do as much of the football business as usual as we can.
0: Yeah, you know, if the sale of the commanders to the Josh Harris group is not finalized until, say, August, and the team cannot do a contract extension for a Montez sweat or a cam curl until that sale is finalized, uh, that does work against such an extension or such extensions uh, being done. Uh, What has been the case for years with Washington is it getting offseason contract extensions done uh, sometime between late June and late August in those years. Uh, The four most notable big money contract extensions in recent Washington offseasons have been the contract extensions for edge defender Ryan Kerrigan, left tackle Trent Williams, interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen, and receiver Terry McLaurin. Here is when those extensions were agreed on. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan, late July 2015. Trent Williams, late August 2015. Jonathan Allen, late July 2021. Terry McLaurin, late June 2022. Uh, Indianapolis Colts owner and CEO Jim Irsay on Monday afternoon in a session with reporters at the NFL's spring league meeting in Minneapolis said that the idea was for a special owners meeting after July 4th for a vote of NFL owners on the sale of the Commanders. Uh, Sports Business Insider A.J. Perez of Front Office Sports, he on Monday afternoon reported, quote, the next step in the process is scheduling the vote, and an ownership source told Front Office Sports that will likely be decided over the next five weeks. The special meeting where owners will converge for the vote could occur as early as late July, although the same source said August would be more likely End quote. So the sale taking a while to get finalized uh, would seem to work against the commanders getting contract extensions done with Montez Sweat and Cam Curl this offseason. But the good news is that the sale of the commanders does not in any way hinder the sale that Shady Rays <laughs> has going on. Uh, Shady Rays Memorial Day sale is live. Uh, go to ShadyRays.com and get 30 Five percent of all sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over two hundred fifty thousand people. Shady Rays sunglasses—they look good, they feel good. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's affordable and durable with clear optics for whatever you're doing outside. Take on the sun with gear. That is built to last. Uh, Shady Rays has you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. And Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements, meaning that if you lose or break your pair of sunglasses, even on day one, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair of sunglasses. No questions asked. You can wear your Shady Rays with confidence because Shady Rays has your back long after your purchase. Take advantage of Shady Rays Memorial Day Sale. Go to ShadyRays.com and get 35% off all sunglasses, and know that Shady Rays always has your back. If you don't love your Shady Rays sunglasses, you can exchange them for sunglasses that you do love, or you can return your sunglasses for a full refund within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays, and Shady Rays is providing much-needed support to nonprofit partners across the U.S. through Shady Rays Impact. Shady Rays. Look good and feel good. Well, a big help is if you subscribe to rate and review this podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast via platforms: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. A subscription to the podcast you nothing, and make sure that you never miss an episode. Uh, you on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five star ratings are very much appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review can be just a sentence or two, can be more, but doesn't have to be. And thank you for subscribing, rating, and reviewing. All right, much more now from Commander's Head Coach Rod Rivera's press conference on Wednesday morning on what was day two of the Commander's first set of OTA practices. So this was how Ron began his press conference on Wednesday morning.
3: Be A couple things you notice uh, today during practice. The first one being is that Armani Rogers won't be out on the practice field. Uh, unfortunately, yesterday he uh, suffered a non-contact uh, Achilles injury. Um, he's be- he'll be examined uh, next week. And uh, there is really no timetable on, on on his return. Uh, Jamie Davis is only going through walkthrough and meetings right now. Uh, he had a minor cleanup procedure on his knee from a lingering issue from last season. Uh, he'll continue to work his way back into the mix, and we're not worried about this being a uh, a long time thing.
0: All right, so brutal news regarding Armani Rodgers. And shortly after Ron Rivera made that announcement about Rodgers, NFL insider Ian Rappaport of NFL Network and NFL.com tweeted the following on Wednesday morning, quote, Commander's tight end Armani Rodgers did, in fact, tear his Achilles. Source said following his MRI, he plans to have surgery next week from expert Dr. Robert Anderson and should make a full recovery, but out indefinitely. End quote. Uh just terrible news. I mean, there was a real opportunity for Armani Rogers to be a big factor for the Commanders this coming season, given the team's uncertainty at tight end. I mean, yes, Logan Thomas is the T E one, but he's not coming off a good season. John Bates is viewed as more of a blocking tight end, and Cole Turner and Curtis Hodges are unproven. Now, you know, <laughs> Armani Rogers certainly is not established, but He last season did flash. The Commanders on May 2nd, 2022 announced having signed Rodgers as an undrafted free agent out of Ohio. He ended up making the team's initial 53-man roster for the 2022 season. Uh, Rodgers in the 2022 regular season played in 11 of the Commanders' 17 games. He had five receptions for 64 yards on six targets and had two carries for 26 yards. You may remember this. Rodgers in the 2017 loss to the Minnesota Vikings at FedEx Field in week nine, had a big run, a late third quarter, third and one, 24-yard under center handoff run on an end around. Uh, He did miss considerable time due to injury. Uh, Rodgers was on the reserve injured list from November 19th to January 7th. Uh, He, in the days leading up to being placed on injured reserve, was listed as dealing with uh, knee and ankle injuries. But, you know, this guy is new to the tight end position. Uh, Armani Rodgers was an undrafted rookie out of Ohio who in a five-season collegiate career 2017 through 2021 was a quarterback at both UNLV and Ohio, uh, although he was used in offensive packages in other ways. But Rodgers made the switch from quarterback to tight end uh, ahead of the East-West Shrine Game in Las Vegas in February 2022. I mean, this guy is a baby to the tight end position. Uh, Rod Rivera on Wednesday morning on how big of a blow the team losing Armani Rodgers is.
3: Yeah, it is a little bit of a blow, and it's unfortunate. It's just, you know, he did it running, and like I said, it was non-contact. He, um, he's a young man that really progressed very well for us last year, um, but we feel very confident in the, in, the, in the group of tight ends that we have right now as well. So, But it is a big loss uh, as far as the young man's concerned.
0: And Armani Rodgers being out, of course, is a loss for the man being positioned to be the Commander's QB1 for the 2023 season, Sam Howell. uh, You know, the quarterback competition that Ron Rivera has talked about now officially has begun, right, as OTA practices have begun. Sam Howell versus Jacoby Brissett has begun in terms of those guys battling in practices. Uh, This was Ron Rivera on Wednesday morning on the improvement that he's seeing from Sam Howell.
3: Well, you know, one of the things that we, we talked about last year and you guys were asking about him and his growth and developments, we talked about footwork and, and stuff like that, and you really see the, uh, the improvement in those details. You really do. He's got a great sense and feel for, for what Coach bien wants, wants, um, and in fact all the quarterbacks too, and, and I think having Jacoby um, you know out here pushing, pushing him and, and working with him at the same time has been a really good uh, thing because you do see his growth.
0: And when Rod Rivera talks about all four of the Commander's quarterbacks, uh, he's talking about Sam Howell, Jacoby Brissett, Jake Fromm, and Tim DeMorat, uh, an undrafted rookie out of Fordham. So we on this podcast have talked Sam Howell with a number of guests. Uh, One of the more interesting guests on Sam Howell was North Carolina football radio analyst Brian Simmons, uh, who was a star linebacker for UNC and for the Cincinnati Bengals and also is a former NFL scout. Uh, Brian joined me on episode 573 said a lot of good things about sam but did say that sam in order to be a successful nfl quarterback uh, was going to have to be more of a take charge guy in the huddle well this was ron rivera on wednesday morning on how sam is doing in terms of taking charge in terms of taking command in the huddle
3: um well you know it, it it's it's one of those things that you know that Coach Bieniemy stresses taking charge as the quarterback. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. If something's wrong, he wants them to step back, get it set, and then get back into the huddle. You know, if if little things at the line aren't right, hey, bring them back. We'll start again. And he wants them to go ahead and take leadership and and control. And that's what you're seeing from all of them. Um, again, not just you know what he's demanding of Sam, but he's demanding the same thing from all four of them. So I think that's a really good thing.
0: So you heard Ron Rivera mention the commander's new assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bien-Aimé. Uh This was Ron on Wednesday morning on what it has been like coaching with Eric Biennemi.
3: Well, it's Listener. been exciting. You know, yesterday was a, was a really good day. You know, EB is a, a high energy, high impact guy. Um, he doesn't He doesn't pull any punches. He's he's very direct with the with the players, which has been good. Um, And you guys will see it when you get out there today. You'll you'll get an opportunity to to, to see how things are. And you know, one of the things that we talked about was just changing the way we do things. Um, As I told you guys, um, you know, I gave him the opportunity to to script a lot of things that we're doing. He's handling all the scheduling. You know, um, I basically just laid the format out, given it to him, and and he's put it all together. So that's why things are different. That's why we're not out on the field already, um, because these are some of the things that he wanted to change and wanted to work on. And, um, you know, Jack's been very flexible as well and working with him as far as those things are concerned as, as has Nate. So it's, uh, it is different. Um, and it's, it's, uh, kind of getting us out of his comfort zone. I know he talked a lot about that during his press conference about being uncomfortable. And, uh, I wanted to give him, you know, stick to, give him the opportunity to stick to what I told you guys. And that was he was going to be, he was going to be very involved in a lot of those things.
4: Yeah.
0: So what Ron Rivera just talked about right there is something that he first opened up about during his rookie minicamp press conference on May 12th. This idea that Eric Bieniemy is having a lot of say in how the commander's offense is doing things, not just schematically, but like administratively. Uh, Eric Bieniemy's official title is assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator. And that assistant head coach part uh, does not appear to be ceremonial. Like Eric Bieniemy seems to be legitimately serving as an assistant head coach. Uh, more from Ron Rivera on Wednesday morning on Eric Bieniemy playing a sizable role in the planning of the Commanders' off season.
3: Well, a big part of it is is you know a lot of the game uh, or, or the the. the Practice planning for 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 OTAs, minicamp, and training camp really is about the installation, so it's almost a natural fit for him. I, you know, I did the same thing with Scott, gave him you know pretty much the guideline, and then he worked with uh, in, in 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 conjunction with Jack and getting it done. And you're seeing the same thing with Eric. Eric's Got an installation plan. That installation plan is reflected in the way that he schedules uh, every day in terms of practice and meetings and walkthroughs for training camp. Um, so you see that now. Um, and and I've talked about training camp because that was the last thing I just gave him um, at the beginning of this week. Was I gave him? You know, I've already got training camp mapped out. With an outline, now he's just got to fill it in, and I think it's all part of you know the growth and and giving him an idea as to what to expect and and how to do things, um, you know. And, and every now and then I'll pop in see how he's doing. He might have a question or two, or he'll go to the operations guy, to, to, to Brian Porter, and ask him you know about things because again, you know we have a, we have a time frame that we have to go through. We have a ramp up period that we have to go through, and he wanted to make sure he was in accordance with all those as well.
5: How much of that is because Eric hasn't been a head coach before and there's been a lot of attention on, you know, whether he can land a coaching job? Like, are are you basically setting him up for the next stop, hopefully, or is this just what you guys needed?
3: Um, Well, I think it's part of what what, what this is about. I mean, uh, I I don't believe you give the assistant head coach title and it's gratuitous. I mean, when I was in Carolina and I gave it to Steve Wilkes, Steve did a lot of this stuff, too, as well. Um, You know, and and I've been holding it for a while and... um, here and then, when the opportunity, you know, to give it to Eric, and and again to make sure it's something that's not just gratuitous, it's not just a title, but it's a working title. And he's he's doing those things, and he's get those responsibilities, and and I think he relishes it. I mean, he, he's he's one of those guys that very few people are going to outwork, and and he works very hard at what he's doing, and, and he's developing, um, you know, his way of doing it. And and, and again, I, I I I do that because you know when it comes time for the installation the guy that knows what he wants more than anything else is the coordinator and again he's putting it together he's working with jack so jack can put his installation to match what's going on as well
0: so we all know the deal with uh, why Eric Bieniemy is on the Commanders. He is on the Commanders to get himself an NFL head coaching job. Uh, I don't believe that Eric Bieniemy has uh, long sought to be a coach for Washington. I don't think that he has anything against being a coach for Washington. But I don't think he like grew up wanting to be a coach for Washington. No, he's here because he wants an NFL head coaching job. He reportedly has interviewed for 16 NFL head coaching jobs with 15 teams. He has not gotten a single one. Of those jobs, 0 for 16. He spent the last 10 seasons as an offensive assistant for the Kansas City Chiefs, including the last five seasons as the team's offensive coordinator. The Chiefs had tremendous offensive success during Biennami's time with the team, and yet he is 0 for 16 on NFL head coaching jobs. And so what you have here is a mutual using situation. Uh, Ron Rivera is using Eric Biennami to make the commander's offense better and potentially save Ron's job as head coach. And Eric is using Ron to get that oh-so-elusive NFL head coaching job. So, yeah, a mutual using situation. You use me and I use you. Uh, well, Ron has told us that uh, Eric Bieniemy is a big fan of the guy who the commanders took in the sixth round of the 2023 NFL Draft, Kentucky running back, Chris Rodriguez Jr. Here was Ron on Wednesday morning on what he's seeing from Rodriguez.
3: You, you see the uh, first of all, you know what he brings to the table, and that's his 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 size. I mean, he, he's he's got good physical size. Um, he moves well for a big guy. he has got good hands, a lot better than, than anticipated. Um, you know, he is a, he is a stick his foot in the ground and making one cut type back. But um, what you're seeing out there is you're seeing a young guy that's learning, growing quickly. Um, because again, as I said, we're not slowing down. You know, Their coaches want to keep it going fast-paced because they, they want them to learn and learn on the run. And, and what it does, it forces them also to get out, uh, as I said, a little bit later in, in, in the day. And you know when they got some downtime to, to grab their books or their iPads and, and, and study a little bit more.
0: And of course, we can talk Sam Howell, we can talk Chris Rodriguez Jr., but they're all dependent on this commander's offensive line being better. Has the team this offseason done enough to remake an offensive line that was really bad last season? The Commanders finished the 2022 regular season number 27 out of 32 NFL teams in team pass block win rate per ESPN and number 19 out of 32 NFL teams in team run block win rate per ESPN. Uh, The remaking of the commander's offensive line this offseason includes the team parting with offensive line coach John Matsko and uh, being poised to officially promote assistant offensive line coach Travell Wharton to offensive line coach. Uh, The team signing as unrestricted free agents, tackle slash guard Andrew Wiley, center slash guard Nick Gates, and tackle slash guard Trent Scott. Uh, The team re-signing unrestricted free agent center Tyler Larson, the team in the 2023 NFL Draft taking Arkansas center Ricky Stromberg in the third round and Utah tackle slash guard Braden Daniels in the fourth round. Uh, the team releasing center Chase Rulie and the team allowing center slash guard Wes Schweitzer and guard Wes Martin to leave as unrestricted free agents. Uh, there's also this expected cutting of left guard Andrew Norwell, who Ron Rivera... <laughs> on Wednesday morning for a third time this offseason, did not mention in the team's mix at left guard. Uh, Here was Ron on Wednesday morning on what he's looking for from his offensive line.
3: Just continued growth. I mean, uh, you know, we've got some young guys that are, that have been tagged to get some some big opportunities. You know, we've we've right now got Sam at, at staying the guy at right guard. Um, you know, and, and Sadiq is getting the opportunity at left guard to start off with Chris Paul right behind him. Um, you know, I, I think again, what it's done is it's kind of um, pushed some of these young guys into into the into the forefront, but. You know, making the commitment that we did going out and getting a couple of guys right off the bat in free agency and then signing another one afterwards, uh, and then drafting a couple. Um, you know, One of the things we want to do is we want to try and uh, improve the depth, and, and, and well, I think we've done that as well. So um, just watch them continue to work together.
0: All right. So Ron Rivera, once again, talking up Sadiq Charles uh, versus Chris Paul at left guard and not even mentioning Andrew Norwell, who does officially remain on the team. Uh, Andrew Norwell is under contract for the 2023 season. The commanders in March 2022 signed Norwell as an unrestricted free agent to a two-year contract. Uh, He did not have a good 2022 season. Uh, Norwell was not at Wednesday's OTA practice. Commander's insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post tweeted that uh, Norwell is rehabbing an injury. But Ron Rivera in his session with reporters on March 28th in Phoenix, Arizona at the NFL's annual league meeting Uh, talked up a competition between Sadiq Charles and Chris Paul for the starting left guard job, didn't even mention Andrew Norwell. And Ron, in his joint post-draft press conference with General Manager Martin Mayhew on April 29th, once again talked up a competition between Sadiq Charles and Chris Paul for the starting left guard job and didn't even mention Andrew Norwell. So it does appear as if uh, Norwell's time with the commanders is essentially done. All right. So it was more than a month ago, April 19th, to be exact, that the Wizards announced that uh, Tommy Shepard was out, uh, announced that Tommy had been, quote, released as president and general manager of the Washington Wizards, end quote. Uh, well, we on Wednesday evening had the breaking news of the Wizards having finally found their uh, Tommy Shepard replacement. Multiple reports on Wednesday evening that Los Angeles Clippers general manager Michael Winger is being hired as President of Monumental Basketball, so he'll oversee the Wizards, uh, the Wizards G League team, the Capital City GoGo, and uh, Washington D.C.'s WNBA team, the Mystics. Uh, Michael Winger and New Orleans Pelicans general manager Trajan Langdon—they really had been the two major reported candidates who had emerged uh, to run Wizards basketball operations. There really weren't that many candidates out there. Doesn't mean that there weren't many candidates, but uh, in terms of what was out there. Uh, It was basically Michael Winger and Trajan Langdon, and that was more or less it. Uh, So Michael Winger had been the Clippers GM since July 2017. He, from July 2010 to July 2017, was Oklahoma City Thunder Assistant General Manager and was part of the team's legal and administration departments. And Winger, from July 2005 to July 2010, was the Cleveland Cavaliers Director of Basketball Operations and was that team's team counsel. So You look at Michael Winger, he has worked under some accomplished NBA executives, Sam Presti with the Thunder, Danny Ferry with the Cavs. Uh, Winger went to the University of Maryland at Francis King Carey School of Law in Baltimore. Uh, He has an impressive resume and he has a good reputation. Uh, i read to you from a report from ESPN NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, who broke the news of the Wizards hiring Winger. Quote, Winger had become the increasing focus of monumental owner Ted Leonsis' search for a top executive and takes over the Wizards with a reputation as a keen strategist, deal maker, and relationship builder. After arriving from the Oklahoma City Thunder in 2017, Winger played an integral part in reshaping the Clippers franchise under president of basketball operations Lawrence Frank and owner Steve Ballmer. Winger spent considerable time weighing the prospects of leaving the Clippers for monumental sports, sources said, but ultimately made the move for a chance to lead Leonsis' franchises. End quote. And You know, Michael Winger is going to have to hit the ground running because uh, these Kyle Kuzma and Kristaps Porzingis player options are looming. Uh, According to ESPN NBA front office insider Bobby Marks, Kuzma and Porzingis each must decide by June 21st whether to exercise a player option for next season. Uh, Kuzma's is for $13 million. Uh, ain't no way that he's exercising that. Uh, Porzingis's player option is for $36 million. But the biggest question is, will Michael Winger, as head of Wizards basketball operations, be fully empowered by owner Ted Leonsis to do as Winger wants to do? In other words, if Michael Winger wants to, say, trade Bradley Beal, will Ted allow Michael to trade Bradley Beale. And yes, I know, Beale has an old trade clause in that uh, oh so wonderful five year, $251 million Supermax contract to which he was re signed last July. But you get the idea. If Michael Winger wants to trade Bradley Beal, will Ted Leonsis allow Michael to do that? If Michael Winger wants the Wizards to do a uh, total teardown, a Philadelphia 76ers like, a process like rebuild, uh, will Ted allow Michael? To do that, Uh, will Ted follow in the footsteps of Sixers managing partner and incoming commander's owner, Josh Harris? Uh, I am so tired of the Wizards being mired in mediocrity. I know that so many of you listening to this are so tired of the Wizards being mired in mediocrity. The goal for the team needs to be an NBA championship, not the six seed in the Eastern Conference. I hope like heck, that Michael Winger is great for the Wizards, but there are two big questions. Is he capable of being great? Like, is he good enough to be great? And will he be allowed by his boss to be great? Well, if you go by the data on baseball prospectuses, cuts, baseball contracts, uh, the Nationals for this season, as of early April, had a 40-man payroll of $125.9 million. And keep in mind that a massive chunk of that uh, was taken up by just uh, two players, uh, two starting pitchers, Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin. Meantime, the San Diego Padres for this season, as of early April, had a 40-man payroll of $280.4 million. The Nats' 40-man payroll, 100 dollars $54.5 million less than the 40-man payroll of the Padres. And yet, here we are, and the Nats are just one game worse than the Padres are. Uh, the Nats beat the Padres 5-3 at Nationals Park on Wednesday night in Game 2 of a three-game series. The Nats now are 21-28. and 28. The Padres now are 22-27. and 27. Money guarantees nothing in baseball. Ain't that right, Davey Martinez? I'm
5: proud of the boys.
0: Yes, the Nats manager and his players and the boys, as uh, David Martinez calls them, uh, a nice win on Wednesday night. The Nats on Wednesday night scored four runs in the bottom of the second, and that ended up being the game in a lot of ways. Uh, The Nats for the game had nine hits and three walks, four of the hits, and one of the walks came in that four-run second. Uh, a productive game for Alex Call. So he has been the Nats' number one center fielder with Victor Robles uh, out. Robles has been on the 10-day injured list since May 8th, uh, retroactive to May 7th with back spasms. Uh, Call really has not been doing that well, but he on Wednesday night as an ad starting center fielder and number eight batter did do well. Uh, two for four with a two-run double and a single. Uh, Call in that Nats' four-run second, a first pitch, two-run double to the left center field gap, for a 3-0 Nats lead, and call in the Nats' one-run fourth, a one-out first pitch, opposite field single to right center field. Uh, now, one of the guys who scored on that Alex call, two-run double, was Kbert Ruiz. Uh, he, and that Nats' four-run second, had an opposite field RBI single to right field for a one nothing Nats lead. And Kbert Ruiz, then, in scoring on the Alex call, two-run double, ran through the stop sign of Nats' third base coach, Gary Sarcina. You know, Ruiz has made some outs on the base pass lately. Uh, He has been a bit reckless on the base pass lately, but uh, luckily he and running through the stop sign of Gary Sarcina did score. Uh, Keep it Ruiz on Wednesday night as an at-starting catcher and number seven batter, one for four with an RBI single. Uh, Another big hit for Lane Thomas. He is an at-starting right fielder and number one batter, one for four with an RBI double, uh, Thomas in the Nats, one run fourth, a two out first pitch RBI double off the left field warning track for a 5-2 Nats lead, Lane Thomas continues his great month of May, uh, here now is your Lane Thomas slash line for May, a batting average of .330, an on-base percentage of .366, and a slugging percentage of .636, uh, and Dominic Smith, uh, he for a second time in as many games in this series, a two for four, with two singles. Uh, he was the ad starting first baseman and number six batter. Uh, the NAT starting pitcher in this 5 3 win over the Padres at Nationals Park on Wednesday night uh, was Trevor Williams. And Trevor Williams had what has become a typical Trevor Williams start this season. Uh, not great, but not bad. Uh, Williams on Wednesday night, three runs in five. And two thirds innings. He gave up just three hits, uh, though two of them were home runs uh, to go with a single. He did issue three walks. He did also record five strikeouts, but he did throw a lot of balls uh, 94 pitches, 53 strikes versus 41 balls. Williams, in the top of the fourth, allowed two runs on a leadoff walk of ex Nat Juan Soto and a two out, two run home run by Ned Odor to right field to cut the Nats' lead to 4-2, and Williams in the top of the fifth, allowed a run on a leadoff opposite field homer by Ha Sung Kim to right center field on an 0-2 pitch to cut the Nats' lead to 5-3. Trevor Williams now in this 2023 regular season, 10 starts, an ERA of 432, a whip of 124, that's actually the lowest whip among all Nats' starting pitchers, This regular season. Uh, He has, though, given up a team worst nine home runs. So, you know, with Trevor Williams, some good and some not so good, but he's keeping the Nats in these games. And for the most part, I think he's been just fine as, say, the Nats uh, number three slash number four starter. Uh, Great stuff from the Nats' bullpen on Wednesday night. Three Nats relievers combined for three and a third scoreless innings with four strikeouts. Carl Edwards Jr. faced four batters and got three outs. Hunter Harvey tossed one and a third perfect innings with two strikeouts. And on just 13 pitches, he threw 10 strikes versus just three balls. And Kyle Finnegan, a perfect top of the ninth. Uh, So Finnegan was used as the closer in what was a no-drama game from the bullpen Uh, You know, Davey Martinez clearly sees Harvey and Finnegan as the Nats' top two relievers, but Davey is using them in a variety of ways right now. The Nats right now don't have a definite closer, a defined closer. It's kind of game-to-game, situation-to-situation. This was Davey during his postgame press conference on Wednesday night, uh, shedding some light on how he's deciding to use Hunter Harvey and Kyle Finnegan right now.
5: Every series, you know, I do you know, my work before everybody comes in, and I pick groups of guys based on information that I get, you know, on, on where guys I feel best matching up late in games. Um, you know, that group, those, those group of guys uh, was where I really felt comfortable with Harvey, and then, you know, um, Finnegan behind him, and then, you know, with CJ behind, you know, on the bottom there. So um, it worked out really well. I mean, these, like I said, these guys. Yeah, came in and shut the door down. Oh, you know, granted, those guys—I you know, I, I really believe those guys when they're on. You know, they could face anybody and, and get big outs for us. But um, I like to, for me, I like to keep things simple for them and um, and make things a little bit easier for them. If, per se, I mean, not that facing Soto or or those guys are easy because um, it's not. You know, I mean, Pogart, all those guys are all good, really good hitters. Tatis, um, they got a good lineup. You know, but my um, bullpen did a good job today against them.
0: Yes, it did. I like that from Davey Martinez. I thought that that was interesting in terms of how he is arriving at his uh, usage of Hunter Harvey and Kyle Finnegan right now. Game three for the Nats against the Padres Thursday afternoon at 4.05. Jake Irvin will be the Nats starting pitcher. Well, the O's on Wednesday night had a non extra inning game for the first time in four games, but this was far from a stress free game. This was game two of a big three game series at the New York Yankees. The start of the game was delayed by an hour and 36 minutes by rain. Uh, The O's trailed 5 1 in the seventh, but they won a 9 6 win as the O's overcame that 5 1 seventh inning deficit. With an eight run seventh. The O's overcame that 5 1 seventh inning deficit to get back Joe Angel in the win column.
4: And the Orioles again in the win column. Oh,
0: yes, Joe, the win column. Uh, What a win for the O's on Wednesday night. Uh, They're now 32 and 17, second best record in the majors, and now are three games ahead of the Yankees for second in the American League East. This eight-run seventh by the O's was something. Uh, The O's in the top of the seventh on Wednesday night, eight runs on seven hits, two walks, and two Yankees errors. The O's for the game went an oh-so-efficient four-for-six with runners in scoring position. Uh, Adam Frazier, he is the Orioles' starting second baseman at number six batter, one-for-four, but the one a three run home run. Frazier in that Orioles eight run seventh, a three run homer off the right field foul pole and off a former Oriole. Yankee starting pitcher Nestor Cortez Jr. Uh, the three run homer cut the Orioles deficit to 5 4. Uh, the homer went just 352 feet for StatCast, but a homer is a homer, and Adam Frazier hit that homer. The other big hit in that eight run seventh for the O's, Gunnar Henderson. A pinch go-ahead two-run double down the right field line for a 6-5 Orioles lead. Uh, Also in this game, Ryan Mountcastle. He is the Orioles starting first baseman and number three batter, one for four, but his one also was a home run. Uh, Mount Castle in an Orioles one run fourth, a one out solo homer on a bomb uh, to left center field off Nestor Cortez Jr. to cut the Orioles deficit to 2 1. Uh, the homer winner projected 426 feet per stat cast and came despite Mount Castle at one point having been down at the count. O2, and Mountcastle in that Orioles eight-run seventh, a one-out RBI sack fly for a 7-5 Orioles lead. The O's on Wednesday night, a seventh inning from the heavens. A seventh heaven, if you will. Uh, The O's on Wednesday night won despite their best starting pitcher this season not doing well. Uh, Even though his last name is Wells, uh, Tyler Wells, uh, he on Wednesday night allowed five runs in five innings. Uh, he gave up just five hits, but four of the five hits were extra base hits uh, three home runs, a triple, and a single. He issued two walks. He did record eight strikeouts. Uh, he over his five innings threw 95 pitches, 60 strikes versus 35 balls. Uh, Wells entered the day number one among all qualified pitchers in the majors in whip for this regular season at 0.788. Uh, Wednesday night was a struggle, but the Orioles bullpen did come through once again. Uh, boy, <laughs> this Orioles bullpen has been leaned on quite a bit, and the bullpen more often than not has delivered. Uh, four Orioles relievers on Wednesday night combined to allow one run in four innings. Mike Bauman tossed a perfect bottom of the sixth. Uh, Michael Givens did struggle. Uh, he and what ended up being a one-run Yankees' seventh face four batters. Got just one out. He retired the first battery phase, but then issued a walk, a hit-by-pitch, a wild pitch and another walk. Uh, Gibbons was a mess. Danny Coulomb officially tossed one and two-thirds scoreless innings with three strikeouts. He was big. Uh, He did allow an inherited runner to score, but that uh, Yankees bottom of the seventh off the Orioles' eight-run at top of the seventh uh, could have been much worse for the O's. And then Felix Batista shut the door, a scoreless bottom of the ninth with two strikeouts. Here was O's manager Brandon Hyde with reporters late night on Wednesday night on that Orioles' eight-run seventh and on this big win in general.
2: It's a no quit attitude, there's no doubt about it. Um, ton of fight, ton of energy in our dugout. Nestor Cortez has given us a lot of problems in the past couple of years, and uh, Frazier with just an enormous home there for us. Uh, good at bats before that as well, and then, and then we had a bunch of hits after that. So uh, a huge offensive inning and a, when we needed it. And, um, Danny Colomb, you know, pretty much won us the ball game there with what he did for inning and in two thirds. So, I'm really impressed with uh, our fight tonight. That's 19 comeback wins this season. You had a lot last year as well. It kind of became a theme last year. Where'd you guys kind of learn this attitude? I just think we have great makeup guys that uh, pull for each other and uh, stay together. And the guys we've added are, you know, right along that uh, wavelength, and they, they're. You know they're, they're bulldogs, man. They're, they're they're going out and trying to get on base and trying to get the next guy up. And uh, you can you know you can hear our dugout and you can see how excited they are for each other. And and uh, it's fun to watch right now.
0: Yes, it is. What a bounce back win for the O's off what happened on Tuesday night. That six five at ten inning loss at the Yankees in a game in which the O's blew a four nothing fourth inning lead and a five four ninth inning lead. Game three for the O's at the Yankees, Thursday night at 7.05. Kyle Gibson will be the Orioles' starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 581. will provide you with more on the Commanders. Also, I'll talk Nationals and Orioles. And that's on Thursday afternoon at 4.05 have Game 3 of the three-game series against the San Diego Padres at Nationals Park. The O's on Thursday night at 7.05 have Game 3 of a three-game series at the New York Yankees. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on friday
1: let's not like make folks wait let's not drag it out jason what's the uh what is the new team name doug what is it we are the commanders
3: <laughs> we are the commanders the commanders the washington commanders That's right uh, oh wow you didn't waste any time there there it
2: is